biggest takeaway is people of color are experiencing racist messaging and racist communication at just a much higher rate. I mean, we're talking 2x and, and two and a half x. And this is happening across channel. And so, you know, are people of color, because they're people of color, experiencing the same communication differently than folks who are white? And remember, a lot of these channels, whether it's email or video conference or big phone calls, you know, these are knowledge workers. And so there are multiple people on these calls. So I thought that was a really interesting finding for sure. On the face of it, not super shocking that people of color would experience more racist communication, but that, you know, at work, there are actually multiple people in a conversation. And so, you know, when you think about what it means from a takeaway perspective, it's pretty interesting. I'm your host, Michelle King, and you're listening to The Fix, a podcast that shares the stories of remarkable people who are innovating and taking action to advance equality in the workplace and beyond. Most employers acknowledge that psychological health and safety of their employees is an important business issue. There's been a lot of research on the relationship between mental health and productivity. I also believe that most organizations understand that since people spend so much time at work, there's an obligation to ensure that the mental health and wellness is part of a basic contract between an employer and employees. But currently, we approach the problem as if vulnerable people are bringing their problems into the workplace. We don't consider whether the workplace itself and the way that people treat each other in the normal course of the workday is the major cause of psychological vulnerability and emotional distress. We also see a disconnect between wellness and things like leadership. Working for a psychologically threatening boss can be among the most stressful experiences we face in our working lives. Toxic colleagues not only drain an organization of productivity, but they can also drive out top talent. In a COVID virtual working world, how do we know if our workplace culture is toxic? And what can we do to create a better work environment for everyone? When millions of office workers around the world were sent to work from home in March to curb the spread of coronavirus, Employers did something that few have successfully done at scale. They sent corporate culture home with employees. For several weeks in the spring, office professionals banded together to adjust to a new way of living and working online. But as these weeks of remote work turned into months, it became clear that the toxic environment sometimes housed in our office cubicles was slowly moving into our homes. On today's episode, May Habib, the CEO of Writer, will be joining us on the show. The organization recently released findings from a new survey that sheds light on the state of workplace communication during the pandemic. The company surveyed more than a thousand employees on how they interact with co-workers over media, like chat and video conference. The report finds that racial and ethnic minority participants reported a far higher incidence of toxic communication like racist, discriminatory, bullying, and sexually inappropriate messages compared to their white counterparts. Here, May shares more on the report's findings. 
what we saw in the data was uh, a lot of the Black Lives Matter movement and the politics around that coming into the workplace and then the election, certainly. So remember, we're not just in the middle of a pandemic, but we had, you know, one of the biggest outpourings of kind of social dissatisfaction in the last year, rightfully so, addressing institutionalized racism. And we're also in the middle of what a lot of people think is, you know, the most important election of multiple generations. <laughs> and so that has definitely seeped into the nature of toxic communications. So, you know, people telling each other to stop wearing masks, right? Kind of the, the anti-maskers talking about, you know, racist topics, talking about um, the election. So there are things that we're definitely seeing kind of play out in the workplace that is happening out there. We looked at five different channels of communication in person, uh, which is, you know, not surprisingly gone down a ton in the last year. Uh, phone, email, messaging. So those are, you know, things like Microsoft Teams and Slack, and then video conference. And over those five channels, we asked about what kinds of toxic communication, if any, uh, folks were experiencing. And yet the results were, were interesting, you know, basically in person the same, uh, but an increase over messaging. Um, and video conference, you know, basically roughly the same as before. And I think that's probably because, you know, when you're looking at somebody, it's just a little bit harder to, you know, be that impolite. I think the survey with regards to race, the biggest takeaway is people of color are experiencing racist content, racist messaging and racist communication at just a much higher rate. I mean, we're talking 2x and, and two and a half x. And this is happening across channel. And remember, a lot of these channels, I mean, there are multiple people in on the conversation. And so, you know, are people of color, because they're people of color, experiencing the same communication differently than folks who are white. And I think that's a very interesting thing to dig into and a finding to dig into because, you know, whether it's email or video conference or big phone calls, you know, these are knowledge workers. And so there are multiple people on these calls. So I thought that was a really interesting finding for sure. You know, on the face of it, not uh, super shocking that people of color would experience more racist communication, but that, you know, at work, there are actually multiple people in a conversation. And so, you know, when you think about what it means from a takeaway perspective, it's, it's pretty interesting. So we are certainly communicating in person a lot less. So of the five channels of communication that we surveyed, 62% of respondents said that they are interacting in person uh, much less, which is not surprising. 70% on the other side are interacting over video conference more than they were before, uh, which is really interesting. Email is the same. <laughs> so it's 50%, right? Which is like right smack in the middle. But, you know, a significant portion of uh, respondents are communicating more over messaging and over email than they were before the pandemic. Toxic workplace behavior generally refers to when a person with some form of power, like a manager, uses it to target another individual and cause psychological harm. Toxic behavior can be blatant, like instances of harassment or verbal abuse, but it can also be less visible, like being subject to microaggressions. And unfortunately for many employees, these actions are finding new ways to persist online. For example, the Ryder Report finds that 38% of respondents report experiencing toxic communication 
But there's a big difference between white people who experience it 32% of the time and racial and ethnic minority employees who experience it 52% of the time. Racial and ethnic minority employees also report receiving racist messages, posts, comments, and images at more than twice the rate of their white counterparts. Nearly one in five respondents report experiencing toxic communication related to balancing work and home responsibilities. Here may explain some of these key findings in more detail. We are pretty surprised that 20% of people have gotten shit for needing to work from home while balancing a family, which is insane because it's just crazy because I think the reality of how just difficult that is and the fact that it hadn't been kind of countered by or seen with empathy, that's just, it's distressing and, you know, we can do better as a society. So that was one of the really big ones. Um, Another big finding was people are finding that they've become worse communicators as a result of the pandemic. And, you know, that's a combination of factors as, as you dig in. The data really shows that folks are being bullied more over messaging than video conference uh, and toxic communication is happening more over messaging via video conference, but not by a lot. And it's the same for all groups, men, women, white people, people of color. And I, I think there's something about the novelty of kind of this group setting that has people a bit on their best behavior and certainly the fact that you can see somebody. There's also the difficulty of, you know, talking one at a time and and not above each other, that there are just a few more kind of built-in guardrails that makes it a little bit easier to be in kind of top professional form on Zoom versus Slack. But as we've seen recently, like the, you know, the New Yorker incident and other things that are coming out, Zoom is certainly not immune to, or video conference is not immune to toxic communication. And the data shows that too. So number one, just think before you say anything. (laughs) A lot of Zooms are recorded. Your colleagues are on the call. Everyone's in a different headspace. Everyone's fighting a battle that we don't know anything about personally. So really just using the medium to actually, you know, kind of pause and take a breather before you say something is uh, is the number one piece of advice. In the moment, it's so hard for us to have the wherewithal sometimes to stop somebody. And it's sometimes after they've said something where you're like, I wish I had shut that person down because that was inappropriate. And so-and-so on this call could have found it insensitive. And so the nice thing about you know, constantly thinking about thinking about saying something is that you're a little bit more on your toes when somebody else says something and you can be more switched on to respond firmly and politely that what they said was inappropriate. And you can certainly say that in an unemotional way and continue on with the conversation. It doesn't have to be fraught to let somebody know that what they've just said was inappropriate. It could be as simple as that was inappropriate. Let's move on. A lot of information gets lost in translation in a remote work setting. When speaking in person, a listener perceives just 7% of a message through spoken words alone. 38% of a message's impact comes from vocal cues, including tone, and the remaining 55% is nonverbal altogether. To make sure everyone feels included, we must be more conscious of how we're speaking and also who gets to speak the most on Zoom calls. For example, while virtual meetings remove geographical barriers for professional connection, 
they can also widen the gap in terms of who gets recognition during meetings. A recent survey from the research firm Catalyst found that 45% of women business leaders say it's difficult for women to speak up in virtual meetings. And one in five women say they've often felt ignored or overlooked by colleagues during video calls. Here May shares how we can create a culture of belonging in a virtual world. Creating cultures of belonging is so much about the actions actually following the words. And the actions could be words too. We've got a list of words that people really shouldn't be using, you know, whether it's gendered terms like, you know, the phrase man hour or kind of racist terms like blacklist, uh, whitelist for, you know, software features. That's something that has happened more recently, the trend to banning that kind of language. Thinking about the language that you use at work, whether it's about inclusion, whether it's gender, um, whether it's about toxicity, knowing that language matters and what people say is now happening via chat without body language, without being able to see somebody's face when they say it. I mean, it's you could be in the same room as somebody listening to the same thing and two people walk away thinking completely separate things. So imagine how difficult it is to be doing this now over Zoom or over chat. I think workplaces recognizing how much opportunity there is for misunderstanding and using that to really drive a healthy communication push is going to be really important. Obviously, a tool like ours can help folks flag for language that can be seen as too direct or impolite or passive aggressive or outright aggressive. But, you know, outside of kind of automated AI for that, people just understanding that their words have impact and it could be to bring people together. It could be to tear people apart and being careful and mindful of that in the workplace will hopefully help us get to the end of this pandemic in one piece as, you know, a healthy culture at work. Thank you all so much for tuning in. No organization should wait until there's been an incident of employees' resignation or suicide to deal with abusive behaviors and toxic workplace cultures. Every leader should proactively assess their organizational culture and behaviors to determine opportunities to create belonging. Broadly, this includes three things. First, at the beginning of meetings, remind employees of the inclusive behaviors they're expected to engage in. This includes monitoring the side chat. Second, celebrate positive examples of people engaging in inclusive behavior at the start of meetings to reinforce the right behaviors. And if something negative has happened, try to share what you can to help others learn from it and identify what they can do differently. Third, actively manage your internal communication tools like Zoom to ensure there is safe space for employees to share their ideas. This includes listening, observing, and paying attention to who gets to speak to find ways to make your group communications more inclusive. Listen, observe, and pay attention to find ways to make your group communications more inclusive. Before you go, just a quick reminder that you can get a copy of my book, The Fix, or the electronic or audible version from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Audible, or at all major retailers. 
In Reading the Facts, you'll learn what barriers all women face throughout their careers and how gender inequality creates challenges to men's fulfillment of work. Most importantly, you'll learn what you can do to overcome these obstacles and how you can begin to make your workplace work for everyone. So get your copy today and let me know what you think by leaving a review on Amazon. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch you all again next week.